Well, if you happen to be visiting here, this is a smaller crowd than usual because we have our annual camp out and there's a lot of folks gone, including the preacher. <laughs> I had a thought while we were waiting for people to decide about offering that if I just sat there long enough, maybe somebody would just hop up here and preach. <laughs> but I kind of figured that wouldn't happen and I feel like I have an obligation to, <clears throat> to share what God laid on my heart this morning. Um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, that you are all-sufficient and you are all-eternal, God. There's no, no one beside you. Father, we thank you for your love for us, for your sacrifice for us. We thank you, God, for the opportunity you give us to gather like this, to worship you, to praise and honor you, to encourage one another as the family of God. Lord, we pray for those who are out camping this weekend. Father, we pray for them as they meet together this morning and Pray for my brother Dwayne as he shares with the group there that you would just give him <clears throat> a calmness and give him the words that, that you've given him to speak and to share and that they would touch people's hearts. And God, this morning, <clears throat> you know how inadequate I feel to be up here, and yet I know your word is true, and I know, God, that you continually work through people that don't feel qualified. And so, God, we just commit this morning to you that your word would pierce the hearts of those here this morning and that you would give me a calmness and a clarity as I share in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a man died and he went to heaven. It's a good start. <clears throat> he got to heaven and St. Peter came and met him at the gate and he said, hey, welcome. But before you come in, I need you to tell me all the good things you did that allow you to come in and I'll assign points to each one. And if you get to 100 points, you can come in. The man thought, well, that shouldn't be too hard. I've been a good guy. So St. Peter said, okay, so tell me all the good things you've done. And the guy said, well, I went to church virtually every Sunday for my entire life. I was very faithful. I taught Sunday school. I served in many different committees. St. Peter said, that's pretty good. Three points. The guy kind of looked at him and three points, okay. St. Peter said, what else? Well, I tithed. I gave at least 10% of everything that God blessed me with for my entire life. St. Peter said, that's good. Two points. I goes, two points? St. Peter said, what else? Well, I started a soup kitchen for homeless and veterans, and I served there for many years, and it it was really successful. And St. Peter said, that's a good one. One point. (laughs) Guys... Guy's getting a little frustrated, and St. Peter said, what else? He said, well, I was married to the same woman for over 50 years. I loved her with all my heart. I was faithful, even in my heart. I, never, I, I was never unfaithful to her. And St. Peter said, well, that's a good one, three points. And the guy kind of shook his head and said, well, good grief. At this rate, I'm only going to get in heaven by the grace of God. St. Peter smiled and said, come on in. <laughs> so this morning... I'm going to make an attempt to, I'll use uh, Jonathan's words, we're going to fly over the sufficiency of God's grace this morning. Um, That is such a huge topic as I started looking at it, thinking, oh, that'll be fairly simple because it's something I've experienced, God's grace. So I should be able to share that pretty easily. There's a lot to God's grace. Um, So we're going to to touch on it this morning, hopefully... um, it won't be overly confusing what I share and that 
I know God's word is true and it never returns void, so we're going to just commit to that this morning. What makes Christianity different from all other religions in the world? There's a story told about a conference held years ago that discussed that very question. Some argued that Christianity is unique in teaching that God became a man. But someone objected, saying that other religions teach similar doctrines. Somebody else said, well, it's, you know, the resurrection. No, somebody said there are other faiths that believe that the dead rise again. The discussion grew kind of heated as they went back and forth. C.S. Lewis, who was a strong defender of Christianity, came in late. And he sat down and listened to what was going on. And he asked, what's all the rumpus? And when he learned what, what it was that they were debating regarding the uniqueness of Christianity, he immediately commented and said, well, that's simple. It's grace. Grace is at the foundation of Christianity. By grace, the lost are found. By grace, God's children stand in confidence. This morning, I hope that we can just get a brief look at the sufficiency of God's grace in every part of our lives. According to Merriam-Webster, grace is an act of kindness, courtesy, or clemency. Joyce Meyer said that grace is the power of God to make ava- power of God made available to meet all our needs. The power of God is made available to you. If you are struggling this morning <clears throat> with any issues of life, God's power is made available because his grace is sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So because of Christ, I am pleased in weaknesses, in insults, in catastrophes, in persecutions, and in pressures. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know about you, but I know in my daily walk that sometimes it's hard for me to grasp the power that God gives us through weakness. And it's hard for me to embrace sometimes as I believe scripture is telling us to do here, hard for me to embrace the catastrophes, the challenges, the difficulties. And it's pretty clear that that's what God wants in our lives and that he's, he's, made, to, he's made to be more visible by his power as he works through our weaknesses and challenges. Okay, so sufficient supply. Is there enough of God's grace to go around? <clears throat> well, how many gallons of water are in the ocean? It is said that there is 3.612 times 10 to the 20th power. That's the number 3612 with 21 zeros behind it. I don't know how to even say that number. Um, How many stars in the sky? Well, the Australian National University has estimated 70 sextillion. That's a seven followed by 22 zeros. How many grains of sand in the world? I mean, who, who figures this stuff out anyway? 
Fortunately, they actually wrote this one out for me. Seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion. Now, even if these numbers are not accurate, my guess is they're probably conservative based on, based on the enormity of God. Um, but even if they're accurate, the point is that God's grace is bigger than all of that. They're, they're, God's grace knows no bounds. Uh, I mean, he's bigger than all of it combined. You add all those numbers together and God's grace still goes beyond that. You could empty the oceans and beaches of water, sand, and pluck every star from the sky as God's grace has only begun. God's grace is eternal. It goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. There's a story told about a large sum of money given to Roland Hill. I don't know who he was. To dispense to a poor pastor. Thinking that the amount was too much to send all at one time, he forwarded just a portion of it with a note that simply said, more to follow. In a few days, the man received another envelope containing the same amount and the same message, more to follow. At regular intervals came a third and a fourth, and this went on for some time, and they continued until um, the entire sum had been received by this pastor. C.H. Spurgeon says, when God forgives our sins, there's more forgiveness to follow. He justifies us in the righteousness of Christ, but there's more to follow. He adopts us into his family, but there's more to follow. He prepares us for heaven, but there's more to follow. He gives us grace, but there's more to follow. He helps us to old age. Amen. But there's more to follow. (laughs) Even when we arrive in the world to come, there we will still see more to follow. Ephesians 2, 6, and 7. He also raised us up so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Again, God's grace is eternal. And wherever we are in our walk with Christ, there's more to follow. And it goes on for eternity. It never ends. God's grace. 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16, talking a little bit about God's Sufficient grace for salvation. 1 Timothy 1, 15, 16. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them. And I received mercy because of this, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate the utmost patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. There are many examples of bad people, what we would call bad people. You know, scripture's clear, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all bad people. And it's also clear what the wages of that sin is. It's death and without the the grace of God. Some of you may be familiar with the story of the cross and the switchblade. Nikki Cruz was the leader of a famous uh, New York gang called the Mau Mau's in New York City. His Satanist parents abused him brutally. So he grew up a hardened man, void of love and full of hate. I wanted to do to others what my mother did to me, Nikki says. I used to feel good when I hurt people. But privately, he didn't feel good. 
He said, when I was alone, loneliness became like a, a seductive woman who crawled inside my chest and ate at me. I was there twisting and fighting. I felt so lost. There were two people in Nikki's life who saw the desperate condition. One was a psychologist who told Nikki at least five times, there's a dark side in your life that nobody can penetrate. Nikki, you are walking straight to jail, the electric chair, and to hell. There is no hope. Well, that doesn't help a guy much, does it? <clears throat> but there was a pastor named David Wilkerson who risked his life to tell Nikki there was hope. Nikki says, I heard his voice. God has the power to change your life. I started cursing loud. I spit in his face and I hit him. I told him, I don't believe in what you say and you get out of here. Wilkerson's unexpected response was this. You could cut me up into a thousand pieces and lay them out in the street. Every piece will still love you. <clears throat> Nikki says it, didn't, it did damage. Good damage in his brain and his heart. He began to question. And for two weeks, he could not sleep thinking about love. Nikki and his gang showed up at one of Wilkerson's rallies. One by one, they gave their lives to Christ. Nikki says it was the crucifixion, Jesus' death on the cross, that grabbed him. I was choked up with pain, and my eyes were fighting, and tears began to come down, and more tears, and I was fighting, and then I surrendered, says Nikki. I let Jesus hug me, and I let my head rest on his chest. I said, I'm sorry. Forgive me. <clears throat> and for the first time, I told somebody I loved you. The love Nikki got in return radically changed his life. When I had opened my eyes, I got a new heart. I'd been born again. I'm a child of the Lord. You know, I think there's a tendency. I mean, Nikki Cruz was a bad dude. Um, I mean, he was a terrible. I, I've read the book, and a lot of you have probably read the book. He was a terrible individual. Worse than me, certainly. Um, and we tend, I think, I think we tend to, in our finite grasp of, of uh, sin, we tend to categorize sin. I mean, Nikki was a, was a bad guy, probably killed people. I mean, he did a lot of horrible things. And I'm not that bad. And I think scripture is clear when it says, for all have sinned, some worse than others, and fall short of the glory of God. That's not what it says. It says we've all sinned. So I'm in the exact same boat that, that Nikki Cruz and people just like Nikki Cruz are. My sins separate me from God just like his did. And even though I haven't killed anybody yet, um, my sins separate me from God. Nikki's sin separated him from God. But the power of God's grace reached out and touched him. God's word says we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus and not by our own efforts or works. Amen. Grace alone, faith alone. Grace alone means that God's lo God loves, forgives, and saves us not because of who we are or what we do, but because of the work of Christ. Christ paid the price, and because of that, the grace is sufficient. All right, what about suffering? Is grace sufficient in suffering? 1 Peter 5.10 says, <clears throat> Now the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you've suffered a little. <clears throat> I guess we could all kind of debate on what a little means. <clears throat> There are four things that talks about in that verse about um, God's grace that God will personally do. God will restore, 
If your life is falling apart, God can restore it. If your marriage is falling apart, God can restore it. No matter what's going on in your life, God can restore it. Some of you may look at the mess you're in and wonder how you will ever get back. You need to know that God restores lives in the midst of suffering. His grace is sufficient. His power is enough. Also says God will establish. When I think about that, I immediately think of building your house upon the rock. No matter what comes against you, you can be established because of God's grace and his power. He is the rock of salvation. He is, he is the firm foundation. Um, and he will strengthen. Psalm 18, 1 and 2. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So we have strength in God. And God will support Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. God is committed to you um, and he will sustain you. Um, earlier when we talked about suffered a little, can only, it can also be translated to say a little while or a small extent. Again, that I think ends up being a little bit of a perspective for some of us. This is important because our focus should not be on the temporary. Our focus should be on the eternal. And I know, again, I won't assume anything about you all, but I tend to lose focus when there's difficulty in my life. I tend to draw my focus to that temporary problem, my, my foot, for example, or relationship problem, or whatever it happens to be, I tend to take my focus about from the eternal, which is where God wants it to be. And then, of course, the enemy can bring about all kinds of issues. So it's important that we, that we not focus on the temporary, but we keep our focus on the eternal. Remember, God works in and for eternity. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is eternal. <clears throat> so if you don't like God, if you don't feel like God's answering your prayers right now, be patient. One day, all your suffering will be gone. That's promised, actually. Our rock foundation is our hope of heaven. All right, and grace again is greater than all our sin. Romans 5.20 says, where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. That's really good to know, because I don't know about y'all, but when I was saved, I still sinned after that. And I'm grateful that God's grace is bigger than the sins I had committed up to the point that I committed my life to Christ. You, can, you can't out-sin God's grace. You may have as many sins as sand on the beaches, or stars in the sky, or gallons of water in the ocean, but God's grace exceeds your sin. And again... It's sufficient, and it's eternal. It goes on forever. Oh, but you don't understand, one might say. I've cheated on my spouse. I've been abusive. I've stolen. I've cursed God. I've lied and stolen. I have murdered. Scripture says, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. <clears throat> J. Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to China, I'm sure some of you have probably read his story, <clears throat> and the founder of China Inland Mission, this is what he said. It does not matter where he places me or how. That is rather for him to consider than for me. 
For the easiest positions, he must give grace. And in the most difficult, his grace. He must give grace. Sorry. His grace is sufficient. So if God places me in great perplexity, must he not give me much guidance? In positions of great difficulty, much grace. In circumstances of great pressure and trial, much strength. As to work, mine was never so plentiful, so responsible, or so difficult, but the weight and strain are all gone. His resources are mine, for he is mine. That's really well said because what the power of Christ through salvation is yours. And you have it the moment you accept Christ as your Savior. It's not something that you get over time, like you get a little more, more to come. That's not how his grace works. I mean, there is more to come, but it's because it's so eternal. But you get God's power the moment you accept Christ as your Savior. God's gra- <clears throat> Some things for living in God's grace. We need to surrender absolutely to the Savior. And we need to trust that his grace is sufficient and we need to act accordingly. We should walk accordingly, walk in the light, have grace toward others. God has given you grace and he offers grace to all. So we need to demonstrate that. We need to respond to God appropriately. We need to praise him and thank him and remind him how grateful we are for the grace that he's given us that is eternal. And this is not a good word, preach incessantly. We need to share the grace of God in our lives. We need to we need to, you know, be willing to share the hope that lies within us. And that hope is based on the grace, grace of God, the salvation through Jesus Christ. And we need to, it doesn't mean you stand up here like this and preach, but you need, to, you need to let people know what an awesome thing God has done for you and how encompassing God's grace is. <clears throat> God's grace and strength will get you through each day. Sure, you'll have down days. Yet when you are living in the power of the Holy Spirit, he will help you to move forward to victory. God will be your strength. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Philippians 4.13. God has given us everything that we need for victorious Christian life. But And I saw this quote. But we must wake up, suit up, and pray up. So we need to wake up and pay attention to God's goodness and God's grace in our life. We need to put on the armor of God and be ready for what comes to our life. And we need to pray. Scripture is very clear about praying. We must appropriate God's grace already given to us. Heed the wake-up call in the book of Romans. Dress in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Learn to pray effectually and work for unity among believers. God's grace is sufficient. And it's sufficient when you get it to begin with. It's sufficient throughout your life. And there's more to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful for your grace. Lord, I I can't even imagine um, not knowing you and knowing the marvelous grace that awaits us and the eternity that awaits us. Thank you, Father, for your immeasurable grace, for your unending grace, 
And Father, that you loved us so much that you made a way for us to spend eternity in your heaven. God, I thank you for those that are here this morning. I pray your blessing upon them. Father, again, I pray your blessing on those that are at the camp out and for safety as they journey home. Father, we love you and we just thank you for your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.